Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Week 11 edition of the Cold Front Report post-game show. I'm your host, Clayton Garrett. You can find me on Twitter at CFR Clayton. Here to recap the Bills' 41-15 to loss to their AFC foes, the Indianapolis Colts, today at Highmark Stadium. Quite a disappointing showing for the Buffalo Bills coming off the tails of their divisional win against the Jets last week. Um, but here the Bills sit. Right now at 6-4, and four, having lost three of the last five, two of the last three. They don't look like the team like a lot of people had anticipated them to be throughout um, throughout the season. Uh, they, they have just been disappointing for the last couple of weeks, largely due in part to this offensive line and how they have looked, um, the lack of flow for the offense. I'm going to be the only face you're going to see on here tonight, solo dolo tonight for the Cole Front Report. Um, but, but it's all right. We'll get through this show together. I'll, I'll unpack all the things that went on today's game and we'll talk about it together. Please leave any questions, comments, or concerns in the comment section throughout the duration of the show on Facebook or YouTube. I'll get to them throughout the show. I'll answer any of your questions and, uh, hopefully we can have a fun discussion while we unpack after this loss for the bills, uh, 41 to 15. It was a big day for Jonathan Taylor and the Colts offense. We'll get into that and how the bills defense looked and some of the pieces they were missing and how they may or may not have impacted them. Um, we'll also talk about this Bills offense and really just the lackluster showing because today just wasn't good enough for this Bills offense. Um, you look at how just how the game started today. You know, the Colts drove right down the field, ate up a good chunk of clock throughout their first drive, having drove till there was only nine minutes left on the clock in the first quarter, and uh, they punched it into the end zone for a touchdown. The Bills threw an interception on the ensuing drive, but the Colts drove right back down to a 14-0 lead. Um, and then, you know, that that that's really where the Bills hole started and the Bills drove down the field. They scored a touchdown on the ensuing kickoff, you know, hoping the Bills can get the ball back, score a touchdown and then get another touchdown after halftime, try and get this one back together. Um, Isaiah McKenzie fumbled on the kick return. And that really kind of put a dagger in the Bills to start the, really in the first half of this game. Um, you know, that that really uh, that really kind of dictated what was going on in the start of this game. You know, you can't really get into a hole uh, like that against a really quality opponent like the Colts. They did start 0-4, um, but they have been a solid team as of late, as is Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz has been good. He didn't really have to do much to win this game for the Colts today. It was mostly just that offensive line turning the way for uh, Jonathan Taylor and Co- Jonathan Taylor for the most part for five touchdowns that really kind of fueled the Colts. Um, but 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 let's talk about what happened on offense today for the Bills. Uh, they they really kind of got into a rut. They got into a hole and they couldn't get themselves out of it. Um, you know, again, the lack of balance really kind of plagues this offense when it, when it comes to their rhythm, when it comes to their synergy, when it comes to their cohesiveness. Um, th- th- this offense just you know sometimes when they're clicking, when they're firing all cylinders, when Josh Allen's having a good game and the running game is getting what they can when they're getting positive yardage and they're not getting tackled behind the line of scrimmage and the offensive line is doing a good job. You know, this offense can do what, what, what we saw signs of last season. You know, the offense is capable in those scenarios, but on days like today where the bills find themselves in a hole and they just spread it out and they try and throw the ball and, and you know, the defense knows they're going to throw the ball and they, there's not much they can do that offensive line can do to really kind of hold the deep opposing defensive fronts back and keep them out of Allen's face and today that was the case again. Um, you know, uh, Cody Ford, you know, the struggles for Cody Ford continue. Every time we see the Bills suit up Cody Ford over, out at right guard, it has not really been all that great. He, he's 
in my opinion, one of the worst starters, not starters, but one of the worst offensive linemen in the league to start on an offensive line. He he is an abysmal offensive guard. I really don't, you know, at this point in time with Cody Ford, I, you have to look to other options. You have to look at players such as Ryan Bates to slide out there to guard, depending on how many games you're going to go without Spencer Brown, who is on the COVID list. And, um, you know, you, you, you can really kind of, I wouldn't say you want to shoulder the blame as to how bad the Bills' offensive line has been as to solely injuries, but you can really credit a lot of what is going on with this Bills' offensive line and the lack of protection they've been able to have for Josh Allen solely on the shoulders of the injuries that they have had throughout the start, or excuse me, throughout this portion of the season. Players such as John Feliciano and Spencer Brown being out here and there. You know, John Feliciano's been out for the last couple of weeks. Um, and, and, you know, you can say what you will about the, the, the margin of difference that you will see between John Feliciano and Ike Bakker and Cody Ford. But Ike ba- uh, John Feliciano, what I'm trying to say is John Feliciano is not an all-pro or, or a pro bowl or offensive guard. He's Honestly, he's not even really all that. I, I think he's an average offensive guard in the NFL, and that's what the Bills really re-signed him to be, a three-year, $15 million contract this past offseason. They re-signed him to be a serviceable interior offensive lineman, and he hasn't been out there. So when his replacements, like Bakker, and also Cody Ford, who because Spencer Brown is out, Daryl Williams can't play right guard. So he has to slide back out to his prior position, that being tackle. And you're left with players such as Ike Bogger and Cody Ford to man up the interior. And when you're playing against players such as DeForest Buckner and Grover and, and Grover Stewart, that provide that, that proves to be quite difficult for this Bills interior defensive line, or excuse me, offensive line. And it's not easy to win games in the NFL when you're losing the line of scrimmage on a weekly basis on a play to play basis you know the bills have had mightily have mightily struggled at winning possessing and maintaining the line of scrimmage in games this season which is why you really see them struggle so much with the running game you can never see them get this running game going consistently to the point where teams have to factor it in to the game plan of how they're going to stop the buffalo bills you know, when teams suit up and get ready to play the Bills, they're always worried about 17. They're always worried about the guys around him, such as Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, Cole Beasley, and uh, Emmanuel Sanders, players such as that. And Dawson Knox, you, you, who had a really good game today, you could throw him in there as well. Um, you, you know, that, those are, that's really what defenses focus on when they're going to play the Buffalo Bills. They don't, and they don't have to account for the Bills' rushing attack because the Bills' offensive line is nowhere near good enough to have a rushing attack that is good enough that you really have to account for. The Bills cannot dictate the line of scrimmage. The Bills cannot win the line of scrimmage, at least not with the front that they're sending out there these last couple of weeks that feature Ike Bakker and Cody Ford. Um, I, I, I tend to agree with the, I, I feel like that their best front is with John Feliciano at left guard and having Daryl Williams at right guard and Spencer Brown at right, at right tackle. And, you know, for what it's worth, Spencer Brown has been really good this season, a really good rookie who they drafted in the third round and you know, like I said, a rookie. And I, I would go as, as far to say as he has been the Bills' best offensive tackle this season that they sent out there. That includes their $60 million man, Deion Dawkins, who today, it wasn't a good day for him either. You know, I, I feel like more times than not, when we talk about the Bills' offensive line struggles, we tend to focus on the interior far too much. You know, we kind of give Mitch Morse a pass considering the revolving door on either side of him. And, you know, that, that, that's just what it is for his position. Um, the two guys next to him, they've been interchanging Ike Bakker, John Feliciano, and, and Cody Ford, and Daryl Williams, all, all those players throughout the duration of the season. So Mitch Morse kind of gets a – I wouldn't say he always gets a pass, but we're not really zoned in on Mitch Morse 
as to what his errors could be because more times than not, you could really see the players beside him, either side of him struggle. But Deion Dawkins is on an island. You can really see when he has his miscues and when he struggles. And, and, and today was no exception. You know, today Deion Dawkins struggled just as much as Ike Bakker did and just as much as Cody Ford did. You know, that is really has really been a sore spot for the Bills. It's not just the interior of their offensive line where a lot of people focus on, but also it, it, it falls on it falls on Deion Dawkins as well. You know, this whole offensive line really needs to perform better, really needs to perform better as an entire unit, it needs to work in synergy, it needs to work in, in, in cohesiveness in order for this offense to really kind of get out of this rut that we've seen. And anytime we see this Bills offense struggle mightily, such as today, you know, the, the, there normally is a hand-in-hand uh, correlation with the, the, the lack of um, the, the lack of a running game, the lack of the Bills really trying to establish the tone and set the tone at the line of scrimmage, which is something that I really has felt have felt like that this team really needs to do. They really need to, you know, right out of the gate, give the ball to Zach Moss, give the ball to Devin Singletary, let these offensive linemen come out of the gate and get physical with the opposing defensive line and really get used to moving forward and get, the, get let their feet get under them. Let them get a feel for this game and how and, and how things are going to flow. Let them get their, their, their heart rates up. Let them go and, and really kind of churn the way for this offensive line or for these running backs to try and get them in a flow. Because when you get set back and you just step back to pass block the entire game, it really it's quite disadvantageous. It really is, um, you know. And the Colts don't really have that that dominant premier pass rusher along the exterior, which you didn't see a lot of the pressure come from them today. I mean, Allen was only sacked one time for a loss of twelve, but you saw pressure along the interior consistently. Um, DeForest Buckner was a force to be reckoned with along the interior. And that, and that was the case when the Bills played the Colts this past playoffs in last January. Um, you know, DeForest Buckner was a problem for this Bills offensive line. And, you know, that, con- that, that, that continues to be the case in this game too when you have a player such as Cody Ford out there. I really don't, you know, uh, I, I don't want to see Cody Ford go out there again. But, you know, the, the problem is, is the Bills have injuries and, you know, that happens. And the next man up is Cody Ford. And the next man up mentality is really what this t- team kind of embodies. You know, they, they didn't really have much to say in the post-game shows that, that, that you can really, I wouldn't say you can't really give much merit for it, for it. but, um, you know, th- this team's always going to say the right things. They're never going to point fingers. They're never going to blame referees. They're never going to say uh, bolts and board material. They're not going to say the wrong things. They're going to be very self-aware. They're going to blame themselves. They're going to take accountability for what happened throughout the duration of a game. And that's all you can really ask for. Um, but, you know, considering we're talking about the, the, the offense, we have to do the weekly Brian Dable poll. So if everybody could, please leave your, your grade for Brian Dable's offensive coordinating in week 11 against the Indianapolis Colts. I'm excited to see what everybody has to say. Uh, Allen today threw 21 for 35 for just over 200 yards, two touchdowns, one touchdown coming in the waning, not waning moments, but middle through the fourth quarter when the game was pretty much all said and done. The other coming uh, on the Bills' second series of the game when he hit Diggs in the back of the end zone as well. Um, it, it was really kind of just an abysmal day for the offense. And, you know, when the Bills play a player such as Jonathan Taylor, a player who I was really high on Jonathan Taylor coming out of it when he was coming out of the draft. I was really hoping there was a slim chance that he could have fallen to the Bills in the second round, a pick that he inevitably used for A.J. Epinesa. I was really hoping Taylor could have ended up being a Bills running back because you. I, I think a lot of Bills fans get, you know, just saying that it, his game today can speak for itself. 
five touchdowns today. You can say what you will of how much, how, how far they had to go in some situations with the turnovers. Four turnovers are never a good recipe for the offense. Um, you, you can say what you will, but I really, um, I really wish the Bills had a premier running back. And that's kind of what Cody Wells is alluding to in this comment. I'm sorry, Singletary and Moss are not number one backs. They definitely have a role and will be on this team, but either shouldn't be considered number one back. Still need that dynamic back. I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree. You know, that that running back that teams have to account for, I'm not saying that Zach Moss and Devin Singletary are absolutely worthless to a professional offense. They're not. They both have roles in this offense that are, that are viable, that are also that they're both reliable in that I would be comfortable giving them the ball in certain situations. But the matter of fact is, is the Bills don't have a premier running back. The Bills don't have a running back that teams need to account for, such as a Jonathan Taylor, a player who can impact the game between the tackles, along the edge, and also in the passing game. They don't have a well-rounded running back. And you know, when, when a player such as Matt Breda comes off the bench, and you know, this is the second week in a row. That And that's really the only good thing you can come out today saying is Matt Breda looked good for a consecutive week in a Bills uniform. We haven't seen Matt Breda suit up for this team many times, but in the last two weeks, he's looked pretty good. He look, he looks to add that speed dynamic that the Bills are lacking that, you know, Cody, Cody's kind of alluding to. Um, you know, and that, that, that's just a speed element. You know, the Bills really need a dynamic running back. A, a running back that that's capable of running that of running between the tackles and also taking swing passes for for 20 15 yards and you know it's Devin Singletary and Zach Moss are great they're both picks in the third round and both player and Devin Singletary more so than than Zach Moss you know Devin Singletary he he is far more efficient and far more effective when he has a fullback in front of him and you know De- Zach Moss you know I love everything that Zach Moss brings and, and to be quite honest with you, between Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, I would have to say that Zach Moss is my one preferred running back and one that that I think has more potential. But Zach Moss, he, he is a power running back. He is a back that that is capable of making cuts, and he's capable of having quite quite a, a large amount of power to him. That, you know, these two running backs, I feel like if you got them both going, it's confusing to me that, you know, these guys aren't getting more carries than they were but you know in a game like today where you get in a hole early it's not really the easiest thing to do to get their running backs going you know the, the bills don't i wouldn't sit here and tell you that the bills trust their trust their running game enough for that that if they were to be down a substantial amount such as they were today that i would really expect brian dable and company to keep the ball on the ground to keep to, to try and trust their running game to try and reestablish the line of scrimmage and those sort of things are so important when you have holes on the offensive line such as the bills do and you know the things such as moving the line of scrimmage keeping keeping the bills offensive line moving you know if they were to do things such as that rather than just drop straight back with allen because allen is so athletic he's capable outside the pocket he's not just a statue He's not his feet aren't his feet don't have cinder blocks attached to him. He is an ath, he is an athletic mobile quarterback that I am more than comfortable moving outside the pocket. That I don't it, it just baffles me as to why they wouldn't more run more role plays, roll them out of the pocket, get that offensive line moving. If you can't establish, if you can't reestablish or win the line of scrimmage, then you need to move the line of scrimmage because your quarterback's going to be moving if you're not going to move the line, line of scrimmage before he he has to run away from whatever pressure is coming into his face. Um, you know, that, that that's such a factor too, is, you know, I think there are some things that Brian Dable can do that would really alleviate some of the issues you see on a weekly basis that the Bills have. 
Um, but, you know, with an offensive line such as he has, it's quite difficult. It really is. When you have players such as Cody Ford and Cody Ford, you know, I, I really don't even want to waste any time talking about Cody Ford because that's really what it is. It's a waste of time. I don't think we need to see anything else from Cody Ford. We have seen him fail at just about every position they've thrown him at, whether it's left guard, whether it's right guard, whether it's right tackle. And Cody Ford has looked like the same player since he uh, that, that he was when he entered the league. And that's a player who has tight hips, who is unathletic, who is slow, who, who can't keep up with NFL talent, whether he's along the interior or the, uh, or the outside playing tackle. He's a player who really kind of gets big boyed along the interior. He, he gets driven back by even hybrid de- defensive tackles. And what I mean when I say hybrid defensive tackles, I mean players such as that Oliver, you know, smaller defensive tackles that play along the interior. He gets big boyed by those kind of guys. And when Cody Ford is supposed to be a mauler, is supposed to be a guy who has a lot of ass behind him, who's supposed to drive guys off a line of scrimmage and really kind of use his weight to his advantage, use that leverage and the weight and, and really just kind of that driving motion to his advantage – and he gets big boyed by players like like you know smaller defensive tackles. It, it it's quite it, it, it it's quite alarming. It really is. And anytime Cody Ford has been out there, it's been nothing but that. It's just been alarming. I don't want him blocking in front of Josh Allen. I don't want him blocking in front of Devin Moss or, or excuse me Zach Moss or Devin Singletary. I don't think he is a capable offensive lineman in the NFL. I don't think he belongs on a practice squad. I think he is quite honestly one of the worst offensive linemen in the league. And, you know, that, that that's without exception. I don't think he belongs in this lineup. This team is far too talented to keep trying keep keep trying to square peg Cody Ford out there. Um, and Lone Wolf, Lone Wolf asked, was Cody Ford this bad in college? Tight hips, low feet. Scouts didn't notice that. Um, yeah, they did. They did. And that's why a lot of scouts said that Cody Ford would be much better fit to play along the interior and at the professional level. And despite that, you know, the Bills anyways tried to trot him out there, right tackle, and, you know, we all saw how that went. And those that right there, tight hips and slow feet, that was apparent whenever he was playing an edge rusher worth a damn. You know, Josh Allen got quite good at stepping up into pockets because of the free rushers that Cody Ford was allowing along his line or his side of the line of scrimmage. And, and it's just, it's abysmal. I don't see a reason as to why a player such as Ryan Bates is, isn't considered serviceable while a player like Cody Ford is and you trot him out there to start, regardless of whatever injury you have on this team at this point. I understand you, you your ideal uh, five out there is going to be Dawkins, Feliciano, Morse, Williams, and Brown in that left to right in that order. And, you know, in some cases, you're not going to have that. And this week is one of those. But I, even in this case, I don't see why Cody Ford is out there. Ike Bakker, Ike Bakker is what he is. He is a backup level interior offensive lineman in the NFL he plays at a backup level he plays slightly he is a mar he is marginally worse than John Feliciano John Feliciano going down it does not break this offensive line Spencer Brown going down does not break this offensive line however Cody Ford going in breaks this offensive line it makes it inept it makes it absolutely impalpable for the Bills to even possess the line of scrimmage, let alone maintain, win, and sustain the line of scrimmage. It just cannot happen. And if you're losing the line of scrimmage in the in the National Football League, that is a recipe to lose games. And the Bills, you know, I, how many times have they really, can we say the Bills dominated up front? The Bills were 
physical up front. Those are two really important things in the NFL, especially this time of year, come November, December, January, right around then. Oh, Trakes, I hear you. I, I understand because DK Metcalf was on the board too. Every time DK Metcalf scores the touchdown, you know, it, it hurts me inside. It really has. Um, but, you know, this Bills offensive line, they really need to figure it out. I don't know if it's if it's uh, Bobby Johnson. I don't know if it's something schematically with this team. You know, it seems to be when they run more uh, of, uh, you know, the gap and zone, when they mesh it together, that they've been able to have an effective and efficient running game. And let's not get it confused. You know, the Bills having an effective slash efficient running game isn't necessarily the issue with this Bills running game. It's being able to run the ball when they know you're going to run the ball. It's being able to have a running game that teams are afraid of. You know, I, I'm sure everybody that was watching the game today, you know, you saw that the Bills are about 10th in the league in rushing while being the fifth best offense. That's okay. You know, you can say what you will about uh, about rankings or whatever, statistics or whatever. That's just for what it's worth. The 10th best rushing offense in the league has an offensive line that's trotted out there today that was that bad. You have to think about that. And that's kind of how statistics can really fool people. They can really fool people into thinking, oh, some units are better than they really are. No, that Bills offensive line, when they strip, when they strap up out there and they send 74 out there, that Bills offensive line is as bad as any in the NFL. It really is. When you see how teams attack Cody Ford, when you see how teams stack the box and send line and send blitzers flying at the line of scrimmage right up the gap that Cody Ford is blocking in. it's quite notable. You know, it it stands out on film. Teams take note of that. You go back and watch the Jacksonville game. That's exactly what they did. The Colts, that's exactly what they did today too. They didn't send blitzes quite often, but when they did, it was right up Cody Ford's alley. And you could even hear on the, on the hot mics today, Cody Ford struggling with communications to, uh, with, with his right tackle, excuse me, uh, Daryl Williams. And that, that, you know, that, that is vital for this offense. You know, having the protection for Josh Allen, you know, he's capable of improvising and making plays happen with his feet. He's capable of making plays happen outside of the pocket. But, you know, at the end of the day, when you have pressure along the interior, it, it, it's a wrap. You know, you're not going to have that that vertical passing offense and be the offense that you're supposed that that you really kind of are, that you're built to be when you have pressure along the interior that Cody Ford lets up. And, you know, I, I, I'm i really tired of seeing them trot 74 out there. I think he's one of the worst offensive linemen in the league. And, you know, I, I, I've spent five minutes too long talking about him because we have said it ever since he's come. I've said it ever since he's come in the league that he is not a professional offensive lineman, that he either needs to sit down and learn to develop, and he just hasn't developed whatsoever. If anything, he's regressed. He continues to get worse. And this offensive line falls into shambles just because – or not just because of him, but because of him for sure. Um. But with that being said, I do want to talk about Matt Breda. I can't go out. I can't get out of here. Not excuse me. I'm not getting out of here anytime soon. But I can't go on with the Bills' offensive conversation without talking about Matt Breda. Matt Breda. I, I you know when when he is incorporated in the offense, this offense really. I wouldn't say it looks different, but you know that dynamic that he adds with this speed. You know that is quite valuable. That that. That has been shown in consecutive weeks how it can have value in having him active really does kind of help this offense. It gives Allen a check down back. It gives this rushing game uh, an element of speed that they don't have with either Zach Moss or Devin Singletary. 
And I think, you know, after today, we really have to talk about Zach or excuse me, uh, Matt Breda being active every single week, because I think going forward, it'd be silly for him to not be, you know, one week having a good game against the Jets is one thing. Uh, the next week, having a consecutive game where he's averaging over 10 yards per carry. That's another thing. Matt Breda needs to be active on this roster for this offense, and he needs to be implemented in the offense and utilized the right way. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited for what Matt Breda can provide for this team on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, you, you go back into this passing game and you look, Dawson Knox had six catches for 80 yards, I believe. Someone correct me in the comments if, I, if I'm off at all. But um, Dawson Knox had six receptions for 80 yards. Allen was really looking for him in tight coverage and when he was under pressure today. You know, he, he Dawson Knox is a force to be reckoned with. Um, that he is going to be really, he's going to continue to do what he's done this season. And I think that Allen looking for him, you know, that that's something that has just begun this year. You know, he is really starting to develop that trust with him. He's really looking for him in tight spots. And that's, that, 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 that leaves me optimistic for what the bills offense can do vertically. And, you know, that that's kind of, you know, you can take that for what you will. Obviously, that's not the problem right now, what the Bills can do vertically. That's their strength. That's what they have been known for. That's their that that, in my opinion, should be their identity. But that's something that, you know, even at this point in time, I remember quite, quite clearly um, talking about this team struggling with identity back in 2019 on their way to the playoffs where they lost the Houston Texans. Um, and that's something that, you know, the Bills have struggled with this season as well is what really is their identity because this passing offense, while you have Josh Allen at the helm, while you have Josh Allen doing the things that he does, being, being an improvising quarterback, being a mobile quarterback, you know, and you, you really kind of look at the bills and what they do on a week to week basis. What is their identity? Really? What is it? You know, situationally, they cannot rely on this offensive line to push the line of scrimmage in certain, in certain situations and, and rely on that rushing attack. So that really leaves them being what? One-dimensional. And one-dimensional teams get their tickets home in the playoffs. You know, that's why these things are so concerning right now at this point in the season. I'm not sitting here saying that everybody needs to smack the panic button, that everybody needs to to, to worry about the Bills because their season's on the, on the line. Yes, they fell into second place in the AFC East a little more than halfway through the season today. Boo-hoo. That happens. It's okay. Because guess what? Are, is anyone seriously worried about Mac Jones and the Patriots? I understand how they look right now. I understand how they've been playing right now. But they haven't played the Bills yet. So the Bills didn't lose the AFC East today. They went to second place midway through the season. There's plenty of football left to be played. The Bills didn't lose the AFC East yet. So let's not act like they've lost the AFC East because they lost their placing in the AFC East. That's not the case. So the Bills still have to play the Patriots. They have to play them twice, Quite might I mind you. And that, that, that's a big factor. So the AFC still is in hand. But I think we can stop worrying about the number one seed for the playoffs and just worry about winning the division. Let's get back to the Bills worrying about those sort of things. Because that, that that's really what it's going to come down to, is if they can win this division. And they need to win this division. You know, this is how many games they've lost to AFC opponents. That one, number one seed is coming gone. You're not getting a you're not getting a bye week in the playoffs. I'm going to be quite honest. I'm quite honest with 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 the Hills Mafia right now. I'd be quite surprised to see them get a, a a home field advantage in playoffs. I'd be quite surprised to see them get a home game in playoffs. Uh, I believe they currently sit at the seventh seed in the playoff standings. But like I just said. 
You know, they, the, the, the season's not over. Your, your playoff standing is not dictated until week 18 at this point. So you, there is nothing to be fearful about in regards to playoffs because right now, you know, like a lot of, like a lot of the players were saying when they were posed with questions about this game, there's nothing on their minds aside from the game they have in four days on Thanksgiving night when they have to go to New Orleans into a hostile environment on a holiday and play the New Orleans Saints. You can say what you will about the matchup. I'll talk about it in a little bit, not too in depth. I'll touch on the Saints in a little bit, but you know, this is an important part of the season. This is, this is quite a substantial amount of adversity that this team is faced with at this current point in time. Like I said at the onset of the show, excuse me, you know, losing today, this is their third in the last five and their second in the last three. And, you know, they, they haven't looked great. They really haven't. And it, you can really place a lot of the blame on, um, on that offensive line and the lack of synergy. Um, jo- Allen didn't look great today. But, you know, I, I really can't properly evaluate and tell you how many problems he's truly having. If he's truly regressing, which I don't believe he is. I don't think Josh Allen's regressing whatsoever. I think that he is struggling mightily with interior pressure right in front of his face as soon as the snap comes away. Um, that That's a problem. That That's a real problem. It's a real problem for the passing attack. It's a real problem for the rushing attack. And you can say what you will about this Bills defense, whatever people want to say, the best defense in football. Um, you, you know, however people feel after today is how they feel. But when you see a defense today, what kind of position was the Bills defense in today? They did not really, they, they didn't play great those first two possessions. Those first two possessions really wore them down. The Colts took body punch after body punch and slowly bled the clock and bled the energy from the Bills' defensive front and drove down the field and punched them in the mouth, not once in the first quarter, but twice. You know, the the, the Colts really kind of bled this Bills' defense out. They really took this Bills' defense, wore them down, beat them down, and physically punched them in the mouth. You cannot win football games when that 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 that's kind of when, when you fall victim to, to a strategy such as that, folks. That is just not going to be a winnable football game. When you are just losing the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football, when you have just been throat punched after throat punch, gut punch after gut punch, this Bills defense got battered today. And you can say what you will about the players they were missing, such as Starla Tule and Train Emmons, which, which I will touch on in a moment. But this is a defense that, you know, they, they have been really good at, at being physical at the line of scrimmage. But today, that just wasn't the case. They got big boyed. You know, that defensive line missing Starla Tule. I felt like start, missing Starla Tule today was a really big problem. That really, it really was. You know, I, I, I don't know how people could say it wasn't. You know, that one technique defensive tackle that takes up blockers, that takes up space, that opens up players such as Ed Oliver and Matt Milano, and when he's in there, Tremaine Edmonds, to make the plays that they need to make. You can't tell me that he wouldn't have served valuable on a day such as today when the, when, when the Bills have their backs against the wall and, and the opposing offense is just running the, running the ball right down their throat. And if you go back and you look at what the Colts were really doing along the interior to try and, and run misdirection and run, uh, what they were doing was they were fooling the Bills' interior defensive linemen. They were utilizing the Bills' interior defensive linemen lack of discipline against themselves. <laughs> That's exactly what they were doing. They, they were taking Vernon Butler and Harrison Phillips and getting them to fly upfield just to crack them back. 
and, and have a wide open hole for Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor to score a touchdown. Oh, come on. We have Butler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, Vernon Butler, I, I, you know, the Vernon Butler to me is exactly what Cody Ford is to me, except on the defensive line. I don't know how Vernon Butler is on the team. I don't know how, how Vernon Butler is on a team. I don't know how, how he is on a practice squad team. I don't get it. I, it doesn't make sense to me. He doesn't, it, you know, I, I watched Vernon Butler today. You know, you can say it was the most hustle I've seen him play with, which it was. It, it, it was quite an amount of hustle for Vernon Butler on a play. But he went flying upfield to go tackle a tight end, and he got dragged for four yards. You're 340 pounds. You know, Vernon Butler, my biggest problem with Vernon Butler is how small he plays for how big he is. You know, that 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 is an issue that I had with a, a name that Bills fans would be quite familiar with, Jordan Phillips, who was six foot six, 330 pounds. It didn't play with a lick of leverage whatsoever and didn't play with a lick of, uh, a, of physicality whatsoever. You could say all of the same things about Vernon Butler. And Vernon Butler, you know, you watch him play, he just pops right up. He gets driven right back. You know, uh, what is there to say about Vernon Butler? I, I, I don't know. Like he is not, he is not that good. I don't see why he is, why he is out there, but you know, it's what the bills are left with when a player such as Starla Tule falls out of the lineup, Starla Tule, but before this season, you know, I, I was the biggest skeptic of Starla Tule and how much value he really had. You know, you, 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 it, it became a little more clear last season when the bills run defense really kind of just fell off the face of the earth and they didn't have any big guy in the, in the middle. And you saw players such as Quentin Jefferson and Vernon Butler and Ed Oliver suffered because of that because they had to play more so along the one technique line when they're more more so built to play uh, that three technique role. But at the same time, you know, losing Starla Tule, I think Starla Tule would have proved quite valuable in this game. I think he would have made a big difference. And I you have to say the same about um, about Jermaine Edmonds. You know, that uh, yeah, I, I hate to hang my head. I'm not making an excuse for this defense. I'm not sitting here saying that if Starla Tule was in the lineup today that the Bills would have would have only lost uh, 38-15 or whatever. That That's not what I'm saying. But it, what I am saying is that this Bills defensive line is far more formidable when you have your one technique defensive tackle. If last season didn't teach Bills Mafia how vital Starla Tule is to this lineup, how important he is to that rotation and the role that he plays that I'm not sure what will. And today is just more of a reinforcement of what we were taught last season because Ver because Starla Tule is probably, if not the most most important player on that Bills defense, he's one of the most important players on that Bills defense. And he will go unnoticed because he's a one-technique defensive tackle. Um, you know, it, it, and, you know, I'm not going to talk about COVID or anything of that of that nature. You know, I just seen it in the comments. I'm not going to talk about anything along those lines. That has nothing to do with it. You know, that injury, uh, you pretty much, I pretty much chalk these things up to injuries. You know, that that's really what, it, that's all you can sit here and say, because that's not in my control. Whether a person, you know, gets COVID, gets sick or whatever, it's not in my control. That's not in anybody's control. The same way how some players go out to practice on a Wednesday and they might tear their ACL, they're out for the season. That's not in anybody's control. Nobody went out there and said that that, that could happen or expected that to happen or anticipated it whatsoever. These sort of things in today's NFL, in 2021, this stuff happens. It is what it is. These teams have to take these punches and go with it. It doesn't matter if it's DeAndre Hopkins. It doesn't matter if it's Spencer Brown. It doesn't matter if it's Starla Tule or, or, or whoever it is. It, it, if it happens, you are out, period. It's treated such as an injury. It's the next man up. 
you know, you can't sit here and say, I understand the Bills, you know, they, they've had a couple players fall victim to falling on that COVID list. That's happened to them this season. It's happened to every team. You know, that's not an excuse. That's the same thing as as injuries. You know, injuries happen in the league. And the Bills, they don't really have many injuries. They have enough to, that kind of makes this team vulnerable in the certain areas that we've discussed so far. You know, the interior of the defensive line, their linebackers. You know, Tremaine Edmonds is an important piece of that defense. And to sit here and say they didn't miss him today on a day such as today, that'd be lying. You know, they, they, they really did miss Tremaine Edmonds today. They could have used him. They could have used Starla Tule. They could have used Spencer Brown. They could have used John Feliciano. That doesn't matter, though, because those players weren't there. And if they were, it would have been a different game. That's the fact of the matter. It would have been a different game. So that's not the game that people watch today. They watch the game where the Bills didn't have those players and what the Bills looked like playing against the Colts without those players, regardless of it being COVID, uh, a, a sprained ankle, a concussion. It does not matter. The Bills didn't have those players. They didn't game plan to have those players. They game plan to not have those players. And you saw the outcome of today. The Bills are thin and interior defensive line when they lose Starla to away. Matter of fact, that's what we saw last year. And today just reinforced that fact. We didn't really, the Bills didn't really miss them. I, I can't sit here and say they didn't miss them last week, but the, Missing Starla Tule was not nearly as evident when playing the New York Jets. Okay, that's good. It shouldn't be nearly as evident when you're playing the New York Jets. But when you're playing the Indianapolis Colts, when you're playing a team that's really predicated on running the ball in between the tackles and using their play action and using rollouts and kind of you know using a lot of mis misdirection with the running game and using the running back, this offense that the Bills play today is really predicated on running the ball. It's really predicated on what they can do with the line of scrimmage when it comes to winning the line of scrimmage, when it comes to pushing you back, when it comes to imposing their will on the on the other team. That is a big thing that the Colts do today. And as you can see, Vernon Butler have his back to an offensive lineman as he's going to make a goal line tackle right there. That That is exactly what happens. The Bills lost really really important players at really important positions that affected their other really important players. That's how it happens in the NFL. You know, the, the, there is a lot that goes on with this football team. There's a lot that goes on with every football team. And you know what? The matter of fact is the Bills are six and four right now. The season's not done. They, they have plenty of games left. They can win every game out the rest of the year and have that just many losses. That's okay. But the, right now, what the Bills look like right now is a team without an identity offensively and a team that really just we we you know for take this with optimism we saw them get pounded today but that was the first time we've really seen this defense get tested like that that was the first time we've really seen this defense get absolutely crushed like that you know i i understand we can go back to the titans game and say what you will about how derrick henry played against them but i I, I have nothing but ill words to say about that game and really just kind of how it went forward and how those, how how that game played out. I didn't really think that the, that wasn't the real Bills defense that was on display. And I don't think today was either. You know, they kind of alluded to that in their post-game presser. But this Bills defense really wasn't put into position to succeed today, but they didn't do themselves nearly as many favors as they should have when playing up on those first two series when they went down 14-0 to start. Um. And when it comes to really this special teams unit, you know, Tyler Bass missed two kicks today and the swirling wins, you know, that happens. That I'm not, I'm not concerned for Tyler Bass. Um, on that one fourth down, fourth and five, I really um I I, I saw him trot, I, I saw him send uh Tyler Bass out there. 
initially I was thinking, you know, you kind of might want to go for it, but then you think about it, they're going to want a field goal either way. You know, they got down there. They might as well as take their points. If they, if he makes that kick, you're not questioning it at all. Because if he makes that kick, the Bills still maintain some sort of amount of momentum. And they still, you know, they can go out there. They can get a stop. And you know what? That That is what it is. I was not against him sending him out there for a field goal. It would have made sense if he made it. It was 49 yards in the swirling win. That happens to a lot of kickers. It's going to happen to Tyler Bass, too. I'm not worried about the Bills kicker at all. But what I am worried about is the Bills return man. Um, you know, we've said, I've said it really ever since the plan was to send, um, Isaiah McKenzie out there as the full-time return man on punts and kicks that I don't really, I, I don't really trust him that I've been apprehensive throughout the season. Um, that that's just that, that, that's been an inside feeling telling me that, you know, that Isaiah McKenzie's never been a good kick returner. He's never been a good punt returner. It's not because he can't create something electric. It's not because he can't score a touchdown or flip field position or be an opportunistic return man. That's not what limits Isaiah McKenzie in this special teams. What limits Isaiah McKenzie in the return unit specifically is his ball handling problems, is his ball control problems. That has been an issue for Isaiah McKenzie ever since he's played at Georgia. And that, that's why it sticks out in my head. I remember watching Isaiah McKenzie at Georgia. I'm sure a lot of people who watch the Georgia Bulldogs can, can, can relate. They have watched Isaiah McKenzie fumble kicks and punts since he was in college. Yep, well, he continues to do the same thing at this stage of his NFL career right now. That's a problem, okay? But you, you can say what you will about the Bills going down 17-7 in the first half. That You can say what you will at that point. But the matter of fact is, is the Bills had you know enough time and they had a realistic shot of getting back into this game with a prior to to the end of the first half possession if they were to go down and score you know they had a couple minutes and they had a minute and some change to get down there and score <clears throat> excuse me um you know they, they they had enough time to get down there and attempt a 57 yard field goal but even after Isaiah McKenzie fumbled and and, and uh the Colts went on and scored a touchdown but that that was a turning point in this game and you can't say it wasn't you know, you, it really kind of is reminiscent to me of when um, I, Andre Roberts had a had a bad fumble against Titans. I, I believe it, I believe it was prime time. It was that crazy Titans game where we didn't know where the Bills didn't know who they were playing, and they played the Titans. I I, I believe either on a Tuesday. I think they played them on a Tuesday. Yeah, I think it was that one Tuesday game. It reminded me a lot of that. But you know, the Bills really um, they, they trusted Andre Roberts. They kept him back there, and he didn't prove to uh, he, he he didn't you know really kind of disappoint them in that effort. That he I don't believe he had another fumble the rest of the season that he lost. But Isaiah McKenzie, you know, we've seen him drop these balls. We've seen him muff kicks. We've seen him almost muff kicks. We've seen him almost turn it over. But we I don't believe we've seen him turn it over quite yet. And today was the day where it really kind of bit him where he didn't even get tackled. He tripped over his own two feet. I don't, I don't care if it's wet. I don't care if it's slippery. If you're going to play football, if you're going to play any sport that, that, that weather is relevant, if you can't do that in the rain or in the snow, I'm sorry, but that, that just doesn't cut it for me. The rain and snow, that's an excuse, flat out. It is. And I'm not going to sit up here and make excuses for Isaiah McKenzie because it's a matter of fact that Isaiah McKenzie has fumbling issues, whether it's raining or snowing or dry. It doesn't matter. He drops the football. He has an issue fielding kicks. He is not good enough. He is not good enough to be out there returning kicks for this football team, but he is the best player that the Bills have to kind of pose a threat with their return unit. You know, they have a good special teams coordinator in Heath Farwell, and they have a good special teams unit. So it'd be really 
kind of disappointing to see them not try and utilize that and do what they can to turn that to their advantage in these games. But, you know, when you have a returner as unreliable as Isaiah McKenzie, you know, what, what are you supposed to do? Because one return, you know, he's taken off to get 25, 30 yards or whatever. Or, you know, you, you know, a lot of the returns that we've seen of Isaiah McKenzie's this year that have been good returns have been called back on penalties. We've really just seen the potential that he has. Um, you know, he has done a good job returning kicks and with the yardage that he has been able to get. But just the just the uncertainty as to whether he can feel these kicks in whatever condition it may be or keep possession, you know, that is just such a problem. And why is it such a problem? It It's not a problem until it is. And today it was a problem because, you know, that that was really kind of a really difficult hole for the Bills to dig himself out of. It Does it help that they went out there and didn't score any points with their first two series in the second half? Absolutely not. You know, the Bills' offense had more opportunities than they could have asked for or afforded to, to really kind of dig themselves out of these holes. And they shot themselves in the foot continuously. Yeah, he's leading the league in return average, but he keeps fumbling the ball. It doesn't matter. You know, if he keeps fumbling the ball, if he is not a reliable return man, it doesn't matter what yards he gets if he drops the ball after 30. You know, that doesn't matter to me. The Bills need a reliable return man. They need somebody that can send out there for kick returns that you can trust to make a big play, that you can also trust to hold on to the ball and maintain possession. Because today, you know, I'm not going to say that it was just that one mistake that lost in the game. It was a collective effort on offense, defense, and special teams. And that special team's mistake really did kind of hurt him today. Um, you know, as far as it goes for this entire team, <clears throat> the, the the sky's not falling. The, the, the Bills are not, you know, he is not, they're not out of the playoffs. They're not, the season's not over. There's a lot of football left to be played. They have a game in four days. There, That is going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, that is going to be a big game. And I'm hoping to see them bounce back from this loss and uh, really kind of face adversity the way that we, that a lot of people have covered the team and all of Bill's Mafia have really come used to this team bouncing back from adversity like they had before. But this team has been hot and cold lately. Like, I don't really remember them being in quite some time. You know, they didn't really go through a phase like this last season. They didn't go through a phase like this in, in, in 2019. You know, this team, um, you know, you really kind of hope that once they get their pieces back, and, and hopefully a lot of their pieces can stay out there and you don't lose many guys to injury or COVID or whatever it may be. Hopefully that is not the case. Because I really feel like once you get players such as Spencer Brown back, once you get Starla Tulele back, Tremaine Edmonds, those three players, those three players will make a world of difference. I didn't, I didn't not say John Feliciano because he's not an impact football player, just because of what I said, just reinforcing what I said earlier. You know, the difference between John Feliciano and Ike Bacher is not nearly as drastic as the difference between having Spencer Brown out there and what their alternative uh, route is for what they want to do with right tackle on the right side of that offensive line. Um, I, I think Ike Bacher's okay. I also think that John Feliciano's okay. So that I'm indifferent in that regard. But once they get those three players back, I think you're really going to see, you know, kind of this Bills team evolve almost. You're going to see a team that's able to run the ball that, that, that teams are going to have to account for. You're going to see a team that's able to hold up in protection and Allen's going to be able to stand back there and do what he wants, gives his receivers time to get open. Um, you know, the, 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 the world is not ending today with a Bills loss to the Indianapolis Colts, but I find myself saying that more often this season than I have before. You know, that this season, um, this, this season's not dictated by this loss against the Colts whatsoever, but the Bills have to respond and have to respond fast in a big way if they're hoping to get this thing turned around 
because they, they have to play the Saints. And then if I'm not mistaken, I, I believe they play the Saints, then they play the Buccaneers. <clears throat> that is a big time. Uh, uh, that's a big time turnaround. You have to turn around and, um, you know, really kind of have some resiliency and bounce back from what has gone on over the last five weeks. You know, three of the last five weeks having losses isn't good enough. Um, the Bills are going through growing pains right now, and hopefully the best is still on the horizon. Hopefully that these problems are temporary and not an indictment on their season because a lot of times when you see teams struggle the way the Bills are struggling right now, you don't lack power. You don't lack talent. None of those things are, are, are applicable to the Bills. You know, you have a defense. You have players in place. You have the quarterback. You have a receiver. You have a really good secondary. This is a really good football team, folks. Let's not mistake that, you know, it, it, it wasn't just a week ago that, you know, I was telling everybody that this is why, you know, you are reminded that the Bills are the most complete team in football because they are. When you look at what they have in each phase of the game, what they're capable of doing in each phase of the game, this is a really good football team. And really good football teams figure it out, and they normally figure it out because of really good head coaches. And, you know, that that is what I want to close up today with is I want to remind everybody that Sean McDermott is not a bad football coach. He really is not. I don't. I, I go on Twitter, I go on Facebook, and I see people calling Sean McDermott Dick Durant. And it, it just, it doesn't even, it doesn't make me want to claw my eyes out. It doesn't make me want to cry. It doesn't make me want to do anything except laugh because you sound like a bunch of ass clowns because he is not Dick Durant. Sean McDermott is a really good football coach. He is a really good coach who has established a really good culture in Buffalo. And this team, this is a really good team. Just because the Bills lost to the Colts today and you're mad today doesn't mean that Sean McDermott is one of the worst coaches of all time tomorrow. That's not the way it works, folks. That's not the way it works at all. Those are uh, those are hyper, but Kool-Aid, I'm not on any Kool-Aid. You talk about what the team is capable of through each phase of the game. This is a really good football team when they're playing to their potential and they're out there playing with the identity that they do have. And today, on days such as today, they lacked it. They didn't have it. They weren't playing to their potential today. That is uh, that is blatantly clear. You know, this team, they have problems and they have to figure it out. And normally, good teams figure that out because of good football coaches such as Sean McDermott. And mark my words, this team, they, I'm not standing here saying they don't have any problems. But the problems they have right now will be figured out. And the problems that they have, you know, are, are manageable. They'll be able, they'll, they'll be all right. They're missing a few pieces. And, you know, that's kind of optimistically what I'm hoping for. Um, and, you know, this defense, hopefully this defense can find a way to bounce back. They have a big test on Thursday night, uh, especially on Thanksgiving in a hostile atmosphere. Um, it, it's going to be an important point in the season. The Bills are in a pivotal, 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 pivotal point of their season right now as to what direction this is going to go. Because right now, after losing like that to the Colts, they need to respond. They need to show resiliency. And they need to come out there and play some good football and correct their mistakes. And, you know, hopefully hopefully that's what we see happen. Um, you know, this football team is really good. And th th they played a really bad game today against a pretty good football team. I think the Colts are much better than their, the, excuse me, than their record indicates. And, um, you know, that, uh, th that'll just be found out in time. Um, with that being said, I want to make sure, I want to thank everybody for staying with me throughout this show. You know, I was riding solo dolo tonight. It's always fun talking with the Bills Mafia, win, loss, or tie. You know, it doesn't really matter. I love coming on here and talking with all the Bills fans and seeing how you guys feel. Sometimes you guys are a little more mean about the Bills and me than, than a lot than other weeks. And some days, some days you're more happy. But, you know, today is one of those tougher days. It's a lot easier to come on here 
and really just kind of get your thoughts and you guys let it out in the chat as I sit here and talk and give you guys my thoughts as well. Um, be sure to follow the Colfer Report. Like us on Facebook. Follow on Twitter at Colfer Report. Uh, follow on Instagram at Colfer Report underscore Bills News. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. And if you haven't already, share the show. Follow the follow the page. That's Colfer Report underscore Colfer. Excuse me, Colfer Report Bills News on Facebook. Um, if you'd like to find me on Twitter, it's at CFR Clayton. You can find my handle in the description below. You can also find all of our handles in the descriptions below. Be sure to follow us anywhere, at, anywhere and everywhere. And I hope everybody had enjoyed the show. Thank you all for staying tuned. Um, hey, thank you all. Stay, stay safe, stay healthy, and go Bills. <laughs>